everyone, and thank you for listening to Brain Foods, the podcast on women change makers. I'm your host, Hannah Becker, and today I have the great pleasure to introduce you to Sheila Walsh. Sheila specializes in inclusion and leadership with a background in coaching psychology and organizational de- development. She brings today to our show over 10 years of working experience with clients in Ireland and internationally. She was voted in the top 10 coaches in Dublin. Sheila, welcome to Brainfruits. Thank you, Hannah. I really appreciate it. I always get a little cringe when I hear the introduction because it, it sometimes feels like it, it's it's somebody else. <laughs> I can verify that. I have you sitting right, basically right in front of my screen. So I, I, can, I can verify that part. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you to start your own coaching business? Yeah, so it was an accident is, is the, the first place I, I was interested in coaching. I got interested in it indirectly through other things. Um, and I, I figured out through different types of training that I was doing that I ha- had to often do pro bono work to qualify and to, to certify and things. And then I noticed that the people I worked with referred other people to me and I realized that there was an opportunity for a business but before that I first thought there might be an opportunity for a job but when I went looking in the marketplace like that's over 10 years ago now in Ireland coaching didn't exist in organizations it was there there was coaches but they kind of was set up as consultants and it was very much um external kind of consultancy coming in so I realized that if I wanted to do this work I had to Uh, create the opportunity and I did want to do the work and I mostly wanted to to do the work one because I liked the work but the second part because this type of work means that you don't ever stop learning and you can't kind of get comfortable because uh, people are different and complex and the more you work with people the more complex you realize they are and the deeper your thought goes and then the more you're challenged and the more you have to grow your competency so coaching was this opportunity for me to engage in like lifelong learning and earn a salary and and that's where it started now 10 years later it's in a different place for me um I'm much more intentional about it and now I see that the the business I run has an opportunity to make a difference like a genuine difference in the world and um, by helping people who who are in leadership or management positions make better choices for themselves and for others and I can see how this can have a massive knock-on effect to society um to how we treat people um, to how well we feel in relationship with each other whereas in the beginning it was much more simplistic than that whereas over the kind of I'm in my 11th year now it's 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 grown alongside me I guess is the best way to describe it. Such an inspiring journey and I especially appreciate that you highlighted it didn't start out as a like true business idea maybe in the beginning and it just kind of grew over time with you just putting energy and focus on it. So that's a really, really interesting insight I think you're providing us here with. You focus a lot um, within your coaching sessions on inclusive leadership and to just give a very brief um, intro into what that really means. Like inclusive leadership, we can say is the capacity to manage and lead a heterogeneous group um, and doing so very effectively. But like, mm-hmm. it's not the easiest thing I, I can imagine because you have to respect everyone's uniqueness and you have to do that with empathetic, bias-free mindsets. 
Mm. And that's probably the most difficult part. So it's really like a, it falls into the remit of authentic leadership that rules out any discrimination bias or favor based on things like color, race, or other protected characteristics and allows employees to feel valued for their own import. Mm. Um, can you explain to us why is it becoming more and more important to focus on inclusive leadership? Yeah, so yeah, so, so there's so many good reasons, right? So there's, there's the basic moral reasons which we've always had, which is, um, while we're not born while we're born into systems of where oppression exists that doesn't mean that that's fair or just or should be continued and um, but because they are systemic and they are systems it's much more complicated um in terms of changing them so one of the things that inclusive leadership does that that has become really important is it helps people in positions of power where you've been given power usually by an organization you're you've been given a leadership position whether that's whether that's entitled because you're a manager or officially on the senior leadership team or people around you follow you, right? So in some way you've been given leadership. Leadership isn't something we can take, it's actually mm -hmm. given us. And when you have that level of power, whether it's denoted by an organization or given by people who appreciate the way you lead and manage, then you have a capacity to make changes in the system that are anti-oppressive. You have the capacity to improve performance, but also pay attention to how you do it. And I think in the grand landscape of work, a lot of our work practices are still based on the industrial age. So the industrial age didn't care. And when it emerged, they did not care about people. They cared about how much money could be earned, how much people could work without burning them out because you didn't, you didn't want to lose their work. Um, and we're seeing this kind of shift towards a more people-centric way of working and a more lifestyle relationship with work. So that's one. Then you've got the moral piece, which we, we know about. That's that's the second one. But as, as um, injustices are becoming more and more evident in the news, as like I'm white, as white people realize, actually we have this unfair advantage we didn't know about um, or ignored, depending on, on how you feel, um, then we, we realize that we have a position to play in, the, in this system that isn't working for lots of people. And, and so there's been this shift where people have awareness they didn't have, but there's also been that kind of global shift where work is becoming something else. And again, I, I wanna be clear, work is becoming something else for a lot of Western countries and a lot of people of privilege. There's countries where, where they're still very much working off an industrialized model. And, and that's, that's something that, that needs to be addressed. So inclusive leadership has kind of come from all of these different needs not being able to be met through hero leadership which is our very old style of leadership where one person has all the answers tells you what to do and you just do it and it's also coming out of this this kind of um justice that's starting to emerge and be talked about and i think social media has a part to play because previously when things happened they were kept within areas they were kept in organizations yeah. they were kept within industries but now people are calling things out on social media so you can't hide from it in the way that it used to be hidden from mm. and so I think all of this has come together and if we look at like like the me too movement if we look at black lives matter you will see that people in positions of power have historically done things that aren't acceptable and so now there's an expectation of leaders to be um to be more informed and more proactive 
And it's a really big part um, of decision making now for organisations. So I think there's multiple reasons. I think the motivating reason why people pay for it now, because you have to train people, and you need to support people, is because it produces more more money. The bottom line improves when you have inclusive leaders. Um, lots of things about like employee engagement improves, um, retention, attraction, all of those things um, save the organisation money and hassle. Um, so so I, there's loads of reasons. Some are very cold, hard cash. Some are social development. Some are um, moral development. Some are just the evolution of work. Um, but I think they've kind of all come together at a really important time. And so it's becoming more important to be inclusive as a leader and to consider inclusive leadership. So I know that's a very complex answer, but I think all of those things factor into why we're talking about this now. I think you explained it really well that especially the outdated uh, format that we used to have still from the industrial age is really overdue to go away, hopefully for, for good. Can you just give me two or three points again? What is wrong with leadership styles as we see them today? So one of the things that I think is a big issue is that we, if you, if you bring leaders up through an organization that measures KPIs that are individual, and then you want them to lead, you haven't actually trained them to consider how they can support other people's deliveries. And so I think individualistic approaches to kind of success um, actually limit really good leadership. So I think that we often reward people up until a certain point in organizations like middle management for one thing. And then we want them to do something completely different to get ahead. Yeah. But we don't necessarily support that transition from like being operational, doing uh, high performing as an individual to creating high performing teams, to creating trust, to creating safer environments or co-creating safer environments. So we suddenly change the script on them and we don't necessarily train, support, or develop them in order to deal with that. Um, so I think that's the first one is that actually we are doing a disservice to leaders. We expect them to suck it all up. Um, the, the second thing is that we do a lot of talking about psychological safety, um, you know, trust, safe environments, but we do it in a way that doesn't always look at, are we actually that, or have we all learned to use that corporate language to mm. say the right thing, to foster yeah, yeah. So there's a bit of gaslighting happens for leaders where they're saying like, everybody's talking about psychological safety, but I don't feel safe saying this thing. And, and I think that's happening for lots of people in organizations, but it's very much leaders are being told foster, be vulnerable, and then are being reprimanded for making mistakes. So I think we are giving mixed messages to leaders, which is getting them to become, which is requiring them to be quite defensive and protected. And then they get feedback like you're not very open and you're not very vulnerable, but nobody's looking at why. Yeah. And then I think the third one um, is, is a kind of an interesting one. I think we are trying to control so much within organizations that we, we've created systems and procedures and models of work and, and um, all sorts of kind of uh, notions about how the organization works yeah we and we've we use lots of corporate language but we're actually dehumanizing the workplace mm. and then at the same time we want leaders to to have like improve employee engagement and performance but we're not actually holding a space that humanizes people but leadership you can't lead without people following so leadership is only ever a relationship but if yeah. you're only used to using tactics uh corporate speak um, mm. if you're only used to giving time to high performers, then what's happening here is 
we're dehumanizing a process that requires a humanistic approach to be successful. And then again, we're, we're saying to leaders, you're not good with people. We're not actually saying there's something in how we're doing things that doesn't set you up as a leader to succeed, but we set you up as an individual contributor to succeed. And, and so I think what I love about inclusive leadership is there is a systemic lens on it. So it's a relational leadership, but you're also saying, like, why are we excluding people? You know, why are we excluding emotion? Why are we saying that only these parts of people's personalities can be here? Um, yeah. Do we have the environment systemically to allow inclusion to flourish? Or do we just use the language of in being inclusive and then secretly um, yeah. and covertly be, be oppressive, really? Um, so, so I, yeah, so I think those three points are where I'm seeing the most tensions happen for, for leaders and their performance. That's really great three points, I think. Um, that leads me to my next question, kind of. How can inclusive leadership help companies to be successful and deal with the challenges of the 21st century? Like, how is inclusive leadership making a real difference? Yeah, so I, I love this one. So all the research is pointing in the direction that it has an impact on the bottom line. Um, so, so that's really good. But, but I think if we step back a second, even outside of that type of research, and we say, are for the first time ever we're globalized in a way we never were before so we have access to the globe of people which means we have access to more people than we've ever had access to before and that that is not just as customers but as people that inform our practice and so inclusive leadership stops us from centering stops us from centering a white middle class western uh, values as the as the most important and it gets us to focus on how we can meet the needs of many different people and many different identities across many different experiences and I think that decentering the white middle class usually western experience will actually allow us to bring a better quality experience to organizations and to the innovation creativity and solutions that they provide so like there's a bottom line but there is also removing this kind of um, Western centralization and normativity so that we can have a better quality experience. I've not heard about the sort of like the decentralization um, of, of leadership or approach to organizational culture and for formation really, but I think it's real something that we can see coming from globalization of a much more international workforce, also driven especially in, um, by and in the tech sector where we just have the great opportunity to work remotely, to work with teams from India, from China, it doesn't matter where you are, you can log on to your laptop and get involved. And that of course requires a completely new way of collaborating with one another. And that's something that I personally enjoy a lot with my own job that we're like over 65 um, cultures in, in, our, in our company. And it gives a really unique nudge, I must say, to thinking about, oh, how do I communicate with people? How do I set incentives? How do I get a project um, over, over the stage, which is very different nowadays. It's much more like trying to pull people together depending on their background. And this is where I think inclusive leadership can be a really helpful tool. Now, having heard about your success story with your own coaching business, what are some of the recommendations that you would have for our listeners that either want to develop inclusive leadership styles or maybe even want to start their own coaching business? The first thing I'd say is that it's a practice. 
um, and that for you to become an inclusive leader, it, it's an active practice. There isn't a finish line. So you have to be curious about how you're biased and you, you have to have a humility about you and practice being having a humility when you don't like the feedback that you're getting because inclusive leaders take in a lot of feedback in order to understand other people's experience. So I think that's the first one. In terms of setting up a coaching business, um, expect to fail more often than you succeed and then the success will be there. So one of the things, and, and I supervise coaches, um, and one of the things I see can come up is this, this kind of like thinking they should be further along than they are, thinking they should be more successful or have more money or getting knockbacks and feeling like it means something about them. But the truth is that if you're setting up any business, knockbacks are new information and your ability to fail fast, uh, humbly and get back up is a really, really important part of setting up any business, but especially a coaching business because mm -hmm. you're so close to your customer all the time that, that if you can't do that, it's going to be really hard to coach well. Um, because you're going to end up trying to sell to people you shouldn't be selling to, working with people you shouldn't be working with, and doubting yourself. So it's really important to actually know that you're not going to get it right from the start, and that you've got to learn in the process of actually setting it up. Um, yeah, becoming comfortable with failure, I think, is a, is in general quite a great uh, a, a great skill to develop. It's like a resilience pattern that you just need in order to keep going, though. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And and in a way, it's actually the same piece. If we boil it down to that, it's the same piece of advice for inclusive leadership. You will get it wrong. Most of the time we fear conversations about diversity and inclusion because we don't want to say the wrong thing. But actually yeah. being willing to apologize and learn and move on is probably true for setting up a coaching business and becoming an inclusive leader. That's what we always need to do. Really inspiring. I really like this focus on being okay with failure and trying to just get back up and keep on going and taking it as a learning experience, I think is what I really take from, uh, from your recommendation. Now, where can listeners learn more about you? Where can they find you? Where can they reach out? Brilliant. So I'm on LinkedIn under Sheila Walsh. Um, you can pop it into the show notes. I also have a website and you can sign up for, I call them leadership letters. And they're this kind of letter that I send out kind of weekly um, I say kind of because sometimes I skip a week, but they're always with really helpful resources about, you know, fierce, having fierce conversations, you know, compassionate accountability and taking aligned action. So I think that's probably the best way to have a conversation with me, I guess. Really great. Thank you so much for this great conversation. I really enjoyed it. I learned so much today about inclusive leadership and about coaching business. Um, I hope that you enjoyed Brent Roots and I can only say thank you for being on the show. Brilliant. Thank you. It was lovely chatting to you, Hannah. Thank you.